Today, on Good Friday, we commemorate the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Though it may make us uncomfortable, we can also say that we celebrate Jesus' death on the cross. For here on the cross, the plan of salvation, God's plan of salvation is complete. A wise man once said, you can be both happy and sad at the same time. This is one of those days when we remember a gruesome death, but also the great love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. Before we read God's word, which will be from John 19, starting with verse 12, let us go to our God in prayer. Lord, you have sent your Savior for us, and by your grace you have called us to believe, to faith in him, and you have poured out your Spirit that we may do so. Lord, be with us today that we might hear the truth of your word, that we might see the love of our Savior hanging on the cross for our sins. Give us humble hearts, O Lord, to turn from sin to our gracious Lord, the King of the cross. In his name we pray. Amen. Hear the word of God from John chapter 19, starting with verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. 
When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But this tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This ends the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Christmas might seem to be a more celebrated holiday than Easter. There's a lot more that goes on around Christmas. The culture seems to have taken up the celebration of Christmas much more readily than Easter. But to the Christian, Easter is the most important holiday. Christmas is the delivery of the promise in the birth of Jesus, but in Easter we see the promise of salvation fulfilled as Christ is raised from the dead. Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, is important because without the birth of Jesus, there can be no death. Good Friday is important in this story of the Gospels because without the cross, without the death of Jesus, there is no resurrection. Without the cross, there is no hope. The scriptures point to the cross many times, even as we go as far back to Genesis in the promise of the gospel where God promises after the fall that one from the line of the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, but with a bruised heel. This points to the cross. As Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, Isaac, the son of the promise, who would fulfill the promises of God that Abraham would be a great nation, the sacrifice of Isaac, it points us to the cross. Every sacrifice in the temple, every drop of blood spilled for the altar there in the worship of God, it points us to the cross. Even in the words of the prophets, 
such as Isaiah, point to the cross. The suffering servant of God who is crushed for our iniquities. All of these things point to the cross. The cross is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. It's the fulfillment of prophecy and it's the culmination of suffering. As Jesus was born into this earth, he entered into suffering, born into his own creation and in a low estate as he suffered rejection from his family, from his community, as he went about his ministry, as he suffered rejection from the Jewish leaders, and even now, more immediately in the Gospel of John, as he suffered, even as he was praying in the garden, arrested by an angry mob, handed over to the high priest to be interrogated, to be beaten, and then handed over to Pilate, again to be beaten and interrogated, to be flogged, to be mocked by soldiers, to be crowned with a crown of thorns which would pierce his brow. He was mocked, disrespected, hated. This is all Christ's suffering. But there at the cross was the culmination of this suffering. There at the cross was the completion of God's plan for salvation, for the reconciliation of sinners here at the cross. It was the blindness of Pilate. It was the hatred of the Jews that delivered Jesus to the cross, but this was all part of his plan, simply a means to fulfill what he prophesied, that he would be killed at the hands of Romans. Pilate saw Jesus face to face, and yet he did not believe. The Jews saw Jesus in the scriptures, right before them, the scriptures they loved, the scriptures they claimed to have obedience to, and yet they could not believe, for they had no eyes to see. But covenant, today, behold your king. Jesus Christ, the man of righteousness, the spotless sacrifice for sin, the man of obedience, the second Adam who attains eternal life for his people. Behold Jesus Christ and believe the king of the cross. Jesus was the man of righteousness. This is important in God's plan of salvation. God is a just God, but God is a merciful God. To fulfill his justice, there must be a sacrifice of blood for the forgiveness of sins. And that sacrifice must be a spotless and perfect lamb. Jesus is the man of righteousness, that perfect and spotless lamb. The sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. A righteous man handed over to a man of unrighteousness, Pilate. In verse 12, it says, from then on, from his interrogation on, Pilate sought to release him, that is, Jesus. Pilate could find nothing wrong with Jesus. No guilt, no reason to sentence him to death. Jesus was indeed righteous. 
But Pilate himself was unrighteous. The man of righteousness delivered by the man of unrighteousness. We know that Pilate is not ignorant. He knows how to exercise justice. There are two thieves that are crucified on either side of Jesus. We know from Scripture that these men were criminals. These were unrighteous men receiving righteousness, punishment for their crimes through the word of the law. We can assume that Pilate sat on this seat of justice and judged these two men to be guilty of their sins, to be hung on the cross. So we know that Pilate's not ignorant. We know that Pilate's not incapable. But what happens? Here is Pilate holding out to him Jesus, And the Jews manipulate him. If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Here we can see that Pilate's true love is power. That Pilate is blinded by his ambition. And that he's not driven by righteousness. But instead, condemns Jesus so that he can retain his power so he can appease this angry mob. He's manipulated by the mob, and he delivers Jesus, the man of righteousness, to the cross, a death for the unrighteous. Jesus is the man of obedience. This is important in God's plan of salvation as well. Adam was to be the first man of obedience. Adam in the garden was to follow God's law, and for that he would receive eternal life for himself and all of his after him. But that didn't happen. The fall instead happened as Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God's plan of salvation was always for there to be a second Adam. Jesus Christ, the man of obedience, who knew God's law, who lived out God's law and walked in God's ways every day of his life, ever since he could obey, Jesus obeyed. He's the man of obedience. Verse 26, there is Jesus. He's crucified and he's dying on the cross. But when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Even there, dying on the cross as he bleeds to death, a gruesome death as he suffocates and struggles to keep air in his lungs. Jesus is obedient to the fifth commandment, to honor his mother and father. Jesus is the man of obedience, the second Adam, even obedient unto death as he dies, as he gives up his spirit in accordance with the plan of God for salvation, as he seeks to preserve life through selfless love. Jesus was a man of obedience even unto death. And so Jesus is the second Adam. In Jesus, 
is eternal life. So first we see Jesus here on the cross, the man of righteousness, the spotless sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. And Jesus, the second Adam, the man of obedience, who attains eternal life for all who are his, who believe in him through faith. But that's not all that John declares here. Here, John declares that Jesus is king. There's a a theme of kingship that runs through these passages, even starting on the day when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And the crowd shouts, Hosanna, Hosanna, here comes the king of Israel. Now, they may not have really understood what they were talking about, And indeed, the Jews here in our passage today proclaim Jesus as king, even though they do so to manipulate Pilate. They proclaim him king nonetheless. When they say, this man proclaims himself king, he's a threat to your relationship with Caesar if you let him go. This king is a threat to your king, Caesar. Even in this, the Jews proclaim Jesus king. This is a a proclamation of the world. It's a proclamation without understanding, but proclaim it, they do. This continues on first with the Jews and then with the Gentile, with Pilate. As Pilate says, behold your king. You know, Pilate didn't like the fact that the Jews were manipulating him. He didn't like it. He got under his skin. And so he comes out to mock the Jews. Behold your king. Behold this man here standing beaten and bloodied and bruised, mocked and despised. This is your king, people of God. This is your king, Jews. That's Pilate's proclamation that Jesus is king. Though he doesn't know, he professes the truth. The Jews call for the crucifixion of Jesus. Crucify him. And again, Pilate comes back. A second proclamation. Shall I crucify your king? He proclaims it again a second time. As Jesus is delivered to the cross, as he's crucified, hanging on the cross above his head, reads the inscription which Pilate had written, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He proclaims it now for all to see. Verse 20 says, Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was in a a very obvious and open place where all would see it. It's written in three languages so that none could miss it. Pilate declares unavoidably that Jesus is king. Now, he doesn't declare it sincerely. But if a fool utters truth, is it not still truth? Here, John shows that the world declares Jesus as king. But that's not all. He shows that Scripture, too, declares Jesus as king as he quotes Scripture. John wants us to take note. He says, This is to fulfill the scripture in verse 28. 
He says this is to fulfill the scripture. Also in verse 24, here the soldiers are dividing up Jesus' belongings and his tunic doesn't have a seam, so they don't want to tear it. This is a nice tunic. And so they say, we'll cast lots for it. And John says, this was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Here John shows the quote from Psalm 22. Psalm 22, 18 reads, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Before that, The psalm reads, For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Here, David, the king of Israel, the man of God, the true king of the Jews, in poetic fashion says that his hands and feet are pierced, and now Jesus Christ fulfills that scripture as the true king of the Jews, of the line of David, the true man of God, whose hands and feet are pierced in reality, who are pierced in history. John proclaims, here is the king, and scripture bears witness to it. He again cites Psalm 69, Verse 28 says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. Psalm 69 is also a psalm of David, the king. And Psalm 69 starts off the same way that Jesus' week of suffering starts off. Psalm 69 starts off with, save me, O God. This is the same word that Israel chants as Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. Hosanna, the king of Israel. Save me, O God. Hosanna in the Psalms. Save me, O God, now in reality, in history. And here, Jesus hanging on the cross. Save me, O God. Psalm 69 also says, More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal, must I now restore? What David says in the poetry of the Psalms, Jesus lives out now and gruesome reality. Scripture proclaims Jesus is king. As Jesus thirsts on the cross, as he's sinking, as he's dying, it says a full jar of sour wine stood there, and so they put the sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch. Now, yesterday, Pastor John told us to always be on the lookout for little details from the Apostle John. Here is one such detail. For handed up to Christ, this sour wine, John describes as a branch of hyssop. Hyssop was the same plant that was used in the Passover. 
Here, John points us back to the Passover to remember the sacrifice of a spotless lamb for the deliverance of God's people from the house of slavery. And here, upon the cross, is the spotless lamb whose blood delivers God's people from the house of sin, from the house of slavery. Here in history hangs Jesus. Brothers and sisters, behold your king. Behold your king of the cross, Jesus Christ, who died for the salvation of sin, the spotless lamb the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. The second Adam in whom is eternal life for all who turn from their sin and trust in him. Do not be blind to see what John declares today, that Jesus is king. Pilate could not see, although he saw Jesus face to face, He was blinded by his ambition. He sought after power instead of justice. He could not see Jesus for who he was. See Jesus for who he is. The Jews sought the Messiah in Scripture, but because of the hatred in their heart, they could not see Jesus. Jesus. Because of the hardness of their heart, because they insisted on being their own lords. When the true Lord showed up, they rebelled and cried, crucify him. They could not see Jesus for who he was. Do not be blind, brothers and sisters, but see Jesus for who he really is. The perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. The second Adam who gives eternal life. See Jesus Christ, the King of the cross. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, Through the horror of the cross, we realize your great love for us. And we pray that day by day we would see our sin and that it would be laid there at the cross on our Savior Jesus Christ, that that sin may die. Give us faith, O Lord, to believe that we too are raised to eternal life. In his name, amen.